Welcome to Star Being, the podcast that explores the cosmic essence within you. I'm your host, Tara Lee. In this space, Star Being is an invitation to connect with your divine spark, to journey towards higher consciousness and your boundless potential. Like stars in the night sky, we are interconnected with the celestial realm, serving as guiding lights in the vast universe. As we embark on this transformative journey through realms of wisdom, healing, beauty, and conscious living, Star Being serves as your guiding star, sparking curiosity, igniting change, and revealing the path of self-discovery and spiritual exploration. Just as stars evolve, so does the essence of Star Being, signifying a connection between your personal spiritual evolution and the cosmic order. A reminder that you are on a path of continuous growth. Join me on this cosmic adventure where we transcend earthly limitations and tap into the universal consciousness that unites us all. Welcome to episode four, Whole Beauty Radiance with Shiva Rose. Shiva is an actress and a visionary clean beauty entrepreneur. She is the creative force behind The Local Rose, a blog that is more than just a platform. It's a sanctuary for clean beauty, nourishing foods, and mindful living. She is the author of Whole Beauty, daily rituals, and natural recipes for lifelong beauty and wellness. She is the creator of Shiva Rose Beauty, a luxury skincare brand offering a range of clean and organic products steeped in ancient wisdom. In this episode, I delve into Shiva's holistic path, which was sparked by a health crisis, a diagnosis with scleroderma, lupus, and rheumatoid arthritis. Shiva defined the odds opting for self-healing through organic foods, herbal remedies, kundalini, and the ancient wisdom of Ayurveda and Chinese medicine. Shiva's philosophy is grounded in sensuality and fostering a deep connection to ourself and the earth and intentional beauty rituals. Through our conversation, we uncover the insights on self-care, health and healing, a journey that positions Shiva as a true feminine inspiration. Shiva is not just a beauty voice. She is a voice of truth and revolution, a true visionary in the realm of healing. She brings the latest and most up-to-date inspirations to the forefront I'm excited for you to join us as we delve into this transformational wisdom of Shiva, who is a cosmic light of consciousness and a trailblazer in the evolution of healing. Welcome, Shiva. I am so happy to have you on Star Being. I have been following your journey for many years now and especially over the last couple of years, I've just found you this really anchored voice of truth and yeah I just love that you have been this leader in the space of not only natural beauty and alternative healing but also in using your voice to illuminate things in the world as well. Thank you that that means so much to me because I never know if people are (laughs) <laughs> where they stand if they appreciate it or if they get um, yes no I definitely do and I was wondering Shiva are you aware of your name in Sanskrit and what actually Shiva 
denotes in Vedic astrology? Maybe not in a little bit in Vedic. I've heard it touch upon um, in charts and so on. And I, of course, I know the Hindu, you know, the god of uh, androgynous god of reproduction and destruction, sort of the cycle of life. Um, yeah. And Shakti's husband um, or Shakti's mate. Um, so, yes, I have been aware, which is my birth name. Uh, and, you know, that's unusual in Los Angeles. Most people, I'm not in Los Angeles anymore, but most people in LA would come up with their own names, but this was my birth name. So I think I've grown into it <laughs> finally. Yeah, definitely. And there is this significance that our name holds, just like you say, and, you know, really embodying those um, those qualities and it means auspicious one. I'm not sure if you've heard that in the Vedic text and it is actually referred to as the Lord of time. Um, and there's that reference to Saturn as well. And what I love about this and your work is the, the cycles of time and the cyclical living that you really embody. I love how this is really coming from that as well. Um, so yeah, I think that is just really powerful. And I looked up your, your Vedic chart and I know in the Western system, you are Aquarius, but in the Vedic system, your sun sign would be Capricorn, which is ruled by Saturn. And yeah, so I just think there's that link as well to Shiva and Saturn, um, and mm. Saturn to skin. So I just see there's so many beautiful oh. interplays here. Interesting. I, I, I really love that. And yes, I know that a lot of people think, feel that the Vedic is even more accurate than the, than the Western, which it's older, isn't it? Yes, <laughs> yes it is. So I would love to know, Shiva, how did you become aware of the power of healing naturally and I would love I've heard you speak about your healing journey but I would really love to know how you became connected to more of the alternative healing and how you really embodied that on your journey mm. well I think most people who have been in a health crisis would identify with the fact that you don't have a choice Sometimes you don't have a choice when you're when you're in really uh, in a bad place and you can't get any answers from the, you know, from the allopathic Western world, uh, you know, then you start seeking outside of the system. And I think I, the only thing is probably with me is I started my journey so long ago. So sort of I was I always say, you know, it's like being a canary in the coal mine. I kind of like with the autoimmune being told at 20 526 that I had a year to live uh, because of autoimmune issues. So I was sort of like the early one, the early canary in the coal mine that, that started this path. And it was pre-internet. So really I had to do my own research and my own education and become my own medicine woman. So that's really what what um maybe differentiates me from so many other people that are now, you know, coming up is that I've just had maybe decades now, gosh, it's crazy, but yes, decades, cause I'm in my fifties. So, um, so definitely decades of being on this path and seeing definitely it works for me, you know, just, and you know, like anything, nothing is linear healing is sick, cyclical, cyclical and 
you know, I have things that come up, you know, that things that I've figured out and then other things that come up for me is just part of being human on this plane. So um, I'm always learning. And that that's probably one of my passions is just to start studying supplements and, you know, how you can get it from things other than a vitamin. And so that's probably where one of my passions lie. Yes. And I, I see this on your Instagram account. You are always sharing these revelations that you have come across that have helped you and sharing that. So that is what I've loved about your journey as well. And I, your um, skincare range that you have created has a lot of um, Ayurvedic qualities. So I'd love to for you to explain how did you first get connected to Ayurveda and was this part of your healing journey that, um, you know, helped heal your autoimmune that you um, were struggling with? Definitely. And I think it, it, I, I stumbled upon it because I stumbled upon um, Kundalini and Sikhs Sikh, uh, the Sikh culture, and that sort of led me down the path of Ayurveda. Also, I had been doing Chinese medicine for so long and TCM and acupuncture. And, and I think Ayurveda sort of, you know, is a similar sibling. They're both 5,000 years old. They're both, you know, using the whole body as a system. They're using um, all the elements, you know, things that we sort of have forgotten in the West, you know, things like in Ayurveda, the, the doshas, the tri-doshas, you know, and, and, and in Chinese medicine, it's the elements, like the way too much wind, which is very similar to Ayurveda. So, and I was in Los Angeles and I started, so I stumbled upon it through Kundalini and through the, the lifestyle. And then I started taking workshops and then going deeper into the herbs. And then I'm sure you're familiar with Surya Spa, uh, Marta Sofer. She became a friend of mine way before she became so popular. And she's this beautiful, wise woman who, um, you know, taught me a lot too. So it kind of like, I didn't realize it was good. Now I feel like more and more it's becoming mainstream, but I don't think at the time I was just trying to find relief too for things. Yeah, definitely. No, I love that. Um, and like you say that Chinese medicine and the Ayurvedic having those similarities and, and really, I think that focus on the mind, body, spirit connection as well. In your healing journey, Shiva, did you, because this has come up for me, um, recently about this, past life healing in the fact that when we tap into healing our past lives, it can actually affect our healing in this current reality. I would love Mm. to know if you have had any sort of um, specific techniques that you've, um, you've done or anything that has really helped address any past life, um, resonance that Mm -hmm. has come through? That's a good question. I most definitely know I have been places. I was really blessed to go to China before the pandemic. And as soon as I landed, I was like, oh, I, I've lived here. I've been here. Like I felt it so intrinsically. And, you know, I, I practiced tea ceremony, which is another one of my practices. And I was blessed to go to China and visit the farms and, 
you know, do tea meditations at these beautiful mountains. And, and that was such a, I think it was a, it was part of my healing journey going there, you know, and really feeling that and like starting to put pieces together as to why I love that culture and the music and the, you know, certain things. Um, so I haven't specifically dove into healing past life things, but I do, I mean, I've done it in ways through meditations probably and through hypnosis on my own though. Um, definitely, I feel like, you know, being a woman, uh, maybe a medicine woman or, or a wise or a witch woman in the past, which I think many of us probably carry that lineage. Uh, I have definitely have memories of that. And I've, um, and I think there was a period of my time where it was the Persephone time, you know, where I was very, I was never a victim, but I was very like, like burdened with the darkness, you know, of Persephone, like, feelings and thoughts and 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 then and then I was like no enough you know now enough and I think that was like healing past life um sort of like a past life regression and kind of like moving on so I think it's been like that it hasn't been like a specific thing it's been more like a non-conscious holistic way to Mm -hmm. do it I love that and Shiva, what really um, strikes me about you and what you embody and what you've created is your ability to tap into the feminine force. And so I would love for you to speak about what Mm -hmm. that feminine force means to you and how you're creating this line of your beautiful, you know, luxury natural products, how that has um, really helped you lean into the feminine and yeah, I'd love to know. <laughs> well, it's my favorite subject. I love the feminine. I love women. I love, you know, I love the womb. I love the breast. I just love, you know, I just love everything that the feminine stands for. And I feel like, um, you know, I feel like we live in a time right now too, where it's like, you know, it's like one extreme or the other. We don't have like this, slowly it's happening. I mean, there's all these beautiful goddess cultures and sub sub niches that are beginning to like realize that the earth is a mirror of the feminine, right? Like we are basically the embodiment of the earth. And as soon as we start taking care of the planet and the earth, it's like the same thing that goes for us. I always thought it was ironic that the people that I knew who had Lyme disease were the ones who loved nature the most, you know what I mean? Who loved, who were, who were really the ones who, and I felt like, again, that's a mirror of what we're doing to the planet, you know? So I feel like it's been, um, so diving into the feminine has been so healing for me. And, um, you know, I feel like I just, I get excited by it. I get, I get, um, I'm a feminine feminist, I like to say, because I'm definitely not like a, like a feminist in the old term, but I like doors open for me. I like to feel feminine. I like the masculine to be the masculine so I can be the feminine. Um, But it's just something that, that I feel um, once women tap into it, it can bring so much healing. And I feel like that's not taught, you know, and I feel like, um, my mother was probably a good representation, but didn't fully teach me that. So I've had to teach myself that. And I've done that through ceremonies, through rituals, through um, yoni eggs. You know, yoni egg can be very healing, um, the jade egg. 
um, through kundalini, through accessing this chakra and just realizing how powerful we are. And, you know, we were made for creation. And if it's not for having children, then it's for creating projects and communities and businesses. And, you know, we're just like bountiful with this, this amazing ability to create. And I love to look at bees, you know, bees have such an interesting yeah, it's just fascinating the way they have, you know, there's the queen bee and then all the worker bees, which are the females. And then they have just the soldier bees, which are there just to protect, basically just to protect and to to, to create uh, eggs. So really it's the female bees that are running the show, you know, with the queen. And <laughs> it's just fascinating when you see that and you think, oh yeah, maybe probably when the world was a matriarchy, that's probably how we ran things, you know? <laughs> uh, so fascinating. I wanted to ask you about the bees because I did read that you were a beekeeper and I was interested in that because I think coming to the surface now is just how healing, just the vibration of the bees and how much they mm-hmm. they are healing in themselves so yeah how how did you get into um beekeeping and how does that um you know come into your daily life as well well to be um to be honest it's been very hard here in texas when i was in california my bees are still there they're thriving they're doing incredibly well but in texas it's been very heartbreaking and we just lost our last hive um, so it's been challenging, definitely. But I, I first, uh, my mother was a beekeeper when I was a child. So it, when we lived in Iran, um, so I think I grew up watching her, you know, and then all the things she would make with the wax and the, and the honey. And I think it really imprinted on me so that when I had my, um, garden in Los Angeles and I was like growing everything, all my food from the land, the first thing I did was get bees, um, but yes, it's fascinating because we just had, I mean, this is heartbreaking. We had a beehive. This is the first time this has ever happened to me where, because it was a little vulnerable from the drought, it had marauder bees, robber bees come in and steal all the honey and they rape the queen bee. I mean, it's like, it's like crazy how, I mean, I was watching it happen, but from a distance, like my bees were so docile, I wouldn't have to wear a suit, but these bees were not docile. And I, it was crazy. It went on for a week, maybe, where they were just like, have, you know, uh, swarming. And it's so, I mean, I cry, I definitely cried some tears. I mean, they, they rape the queen and steal the honey. And so it's like, yes, we can learn a lot from the bees, uh, like how we need soldiers and we need the masculine to protect us. He asked me while my dog just came in, <laughs> came in to give me a kiss. <laughs> I know. She yeah. knew. <laughs> I, I have never heard of that before. I didn't even know that was possible. I didn't either, by the way. I didn't, I mean, I'd heard, but I never knew it was quite so extreme and violent until, until I came here. So, yeah. And with the loss of the, your um, bees in Los Angeles, I did read an article that they were saying that there is this um, losing of bees now and, and the hives and things like that. Um, you know, attributing to potentially um, 
energetic interference and things like that. And so, yeah, that is, yeah, that is just a, a whole nother layer with that. It is a whole nother layer. But when you watch the, you know, when we talk about the feminine and just the the way it can work, like when a hive is healthy and happy and prosperous as the ones that I had in California were, it really, it really is showing how the feminine, when we work, when we work together and in synergy and in community, how beautiful it can be. Shiva, I would love to know when it comes to beauty, what has your experience been with aging? I really want to come, you know, through the lens of aging as more of this reverence. And I think in our culture, there is a lot of emphasis on the physical beauty. And this process of aging and the, you know, the effects on our physical appearance, what has your journey through this been like? And do you have an empowering lens on this? Because I think there's a lot of pressure for us to, you know, have these procedures and, yeah, these things that are not in alignment for that holistic health. And so I would love to know how you approach the aging process and being so connected to beauty. Yeah, I'd just love to know your thoughts on that. Oh, well, I completely understand what a struggle it can be. And I have to say, I'm not in Los Angeles anymore. So I think it also depends where you live, you know, the environment and so on. However, we are, we see social media every day. So we are bombarded with it on another level. Um, But I, I do think, you know, I try to do everything is holistic with my line and the way I live. Um, however, I won't judge someone if they do do something, because I think ultimately we do have to feel it's about confidence. So whatever it is for you that gives you that confidence, you know what I mean? Like, as long as you feel beautiful, because I never want people to think like there should be shame if they end up doing something or, um, however, with my philosophy and my ethos, with my line, it's all about what we, what we eat. So it's like internal, it's what we put in our bodies. And it's about, it's not about stripping, you know, I feel like a lot of the Western, again, the, the, maybe it's moving out of fashion now, but a lot of it was stripping or as an Ayurveda, it's about plumping and nourishing and adding and, you know, the oils and the, and the bombs and the creams and the fats that we take in. And, um, and look, I am 15 pounds heavier than I was you know, um, in my gosh, in the last 10 years, but it's okay. I think it's like, it adds a little bit more for my face, which I appreciate it, you know, and it's, it's kind of like, I don't know if you ever heard that quote by Catherine Deneuve, but that famous French actress, but she said at a certain age, a woman has to choose her face or her ass. <laughs> and <laughs> And I, I mean, I disagreed because now I feel like, you know, having an ass is actually very sexy, <laughs> but I think when she said that it wasn't quite sexy. And she was saying, basically she was choosing a plumper face, you know, and with that a plumper tushy, but, um, 
I do think though that you're right. We need to get out of the stigma that women somehow become less as they get older. I'm actually, I had, I think a moment where I was getting a little bit down about that. My youngest is about to go to college. And I think I had a moment where I was like, oh my gosh, this next chapter and feeling the way my body is shifting. And then I started working on this course, which I'm launching in the spring called the waterways of the feminine mystique. And I stumbled upon this uh, idea in Japan, which is comes from Japan, where they say once a woman goes to the second, the you know, the stage when they stop having their moon and so on, they call it a second spring. And that like lit me up because I was like, yes, a second spring. Now that's the way to look at this. Mm. You know, it's inevitable. We're all going to be facing this time. And how, why not make it a second spring, a second spring where things are exciting and you know, novel. And, and I can explain to you why that is. It's all about our hormones and what happens to our hormones and why we become, you can look at it more adventurous and independent. And I mean, the hormones are such a fascinating aspect of all of this too. Um, but I just wanted to also say, I know a lot of goddess cultures, they had the three chapters uh, which was maiden, mother, crone. Well, now, because we are living to our 70s, 80s, 90s, uh, a lot of women in these communities are saying, no, we need a chapter between mother and between crone. Because like I said, my I'm reaching my 50s, I'm in my 50s, my moon has just waned, my daughter's going to college, my youngest. I certainly don't feel like a crone. Mm. There's no way I'm like a crone. So, we're adding this other chapter. So it would be maiden mother. And then some call it Maga, which is magician. Some call it priestess. Some call it medicine woman, whatever that feels right for you. And then we can hit our crones in our seventies. You know? Oh, I love that. That's such an empowering lens to, to look through. I, I completely agree with, with everything you've said and you know, that embodiment that you have of that whole beauty. And I love in, in your book, um, whole beauty that uh. you, you talk about how, you know, that beauty it, and I'm quoting you here, it doesn't, um, it's not just penetrating, um, the physical layer because, you know, that, that physical layer is one that can fade, but beauty comes from being nourished and balanced spiritually and emotionally. And I love when I hear you speak that you always bring in this uh, nourishment, how, you know, when we nourish ourselves, then we can nourish others. And so I'd love um, for you to speak on the rituals or the practices that you really embody because diving into your work, it's actually really inspired me to see self-care as a ritual and as something to look forward to and to immerse myself in rather than something that is a tick box. It just needs to be done. And so you just mm. add this layer of luxury and um, <laughs> yeah, just juiciness to it. So I would love um, for you to speak on yeah, how do you incorporate these rituals? Do you have a day? Do you, what is some um, practices right now that are really nourishing you? 
Yeah, I think, you know, what makes something a ritual is really just having the intention, right? Like, instead of just throwing on the bomb, instead of taking that moment and giving thanks to this body, you know, for carrying you and rubbing it on you and honoring the, 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 the feet that carry you through the day. And it just changes everything, I think. I mean, it just makes... It's like Einstein said, he said, you can either live as though everything is a miracle or not, <laughs> you know, and I want to choose to live as though all of this is a miracle and, and having these little rituals really feeds me. And like you said that I said, it, it helps me able to feed others because you can't fill from an empty cup, mm. you, your cup has to be filled and there's nothing selfish about that at all. And I think that's something else that's wonderful about, I think we're finally accepting that. Um, it's funny. Well, today my partner made a fire because it was so cold here. Uh, and I was, and when he left, I was like, you know what? I'm going to do a breast and womb massage in front of the fire. I mean, how glorious, you know, to take out oils. I took some frankincense. I took some castor oil. I have a, it's called Ondine. It's a breast oil. And I, you know, just sat in front of the fire naked and like did this Taoist breast massage, which is like 58 circular circles, you know, and get the energy going. And then my womb, you know, like I said, I'm going through this change. So I was really like giving some love to my womb. Thank you, you know, for the babies you've carried and the ideas you've carried and just having that moment. Yeah. And, it, and it's very like touching. It's all, yeah. Um, and it's like something I, I, you know, I wish, um, I wish we could teach this to our daughters and our younger people, you know, all the time, because I think once you have that connection, right. Cause I don't know about you, but I was very disconnected from my, from my body until, until a little bit later, you know, but I think it prevents, it does, it prevents diseases. I mean, it prevents breast cancer, it prevents, you know, ovarian cancer, it prevents uterine cancer. I mean, all these things that we do in an Ayurveda, you know, this is all part of life. But yanga is a self massage that they do, you know, with oils. And this is, again, built into the culture that we need to, like, make, relearn, reteach ourselves. Yes, I think that's so important. Yes, Abby Yanga as that daily practice of self-massage, uh, of, of nourishment and yeah, giving back to to the body and yeah, how powerful saying those affirmations while you're doing that as well. And yeah, just a sort of a mantra practice as well. That is really powerful. I love that. Um, you mentioned castor oil and this has been something that uh, my Ayurvedic teacher would say to me, um, if you have castor oil, you'll never see a wrinkle. <laughs> um, uh. I think all of us after that um, have been, yeah, using uh, castor oil all the time. And I wanted to ask about the ingredient of the rose obviously your name Shiva Rose and so the the packaging of your your beautiful skincare hat holds the rose but I wanted to ask about your journey with the the rose and knowing that it's you know it's a high vibration and its ability to connect to the heart center 
How did you first connect to more of the flower essences and the the high vibrational aspect of the rose? Mm. You know, my my grandma Nate was named Rose Marie, and uh, so my, I'm named after her. My the rose comes from her, um, and she had such a love of roses, and sort of taught me that she used to grow roses, and um, and she, so I think I just began, you know, being just falling in love with the rose through her. Um, and then of course being half Iranian, you know, in Persian culture, it's like rose water is in our food and in the desserts and in the, in the, you may spray it in the home. So it's really a part of the, that culture too. So I think it's just always been in my field. And, um, yes, you said it's a high vibrational flower is considered the queen of all flowers. Um, you know, so therapeutic. And uh, I think it's just, it's the healing, you know, the healing of the heart and, and, um, and the fact that we can do that through our olfactory is, is incredible to me. And, you know, when you read about priestesses, you know, eons ago, they would always carry like a locket with some resins in it for protection, you know, whether it be kapal or frankincense or, or rose, um, oil or a tar. And I always thought that's like, you know, that's very, um, sacred, you know, these oils that have been around, I mean, anointment, right. They say Mary Magdalene anointed Jesus. This is like, goes back so much. So when we talk about past lives, I think this is something very familiar to us, many of us. Mm. Yes. I love that. And with your current collection, Shiva, is there anything that any product at the moment that you're really loving that you're utilizing that? Do you have a favorite? Is there? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I love them all. I love them. all. We have one cream that I created. It's like a souffle, but it's sold out. It's coming back in February, but it's called Fata Morgana, which is based on a Italian um, it's like, it means illusion, but it's also a reference to, uh, to Morgana, Morgan, which was King Arthur's sister. So I really love that product. I also love a tallow cream, uh, balm that I created with my friend from Bella Nature and, um, Bella Nectar, sorry. And that is, I love that we use tallow from regenerative farms, which is like such a healing, you know, cream and, uh, it comes from the, from the, from the bovine, but it's wonderful because we're using, you know, when you think about regenerative farming and using all the parts of an animal, mm. it just makes sense. Palo, you know, it's been used for, again, for hundreds of years, they used it. And I think it's coming back now. It's having a resurgence. Um, yes, I definitely think that is having a resurgence. And like you were saying that, that nourishment and, when it comes to like an Ayurvedic lens on this, it is um, just like you say, using all those parts of the animal. So in that complete um, reverence to the animal um, and the the fats and everything like that. I, um, when I was doing research on you, Shiva, noticed mm-hmm. that you were um, previously a vegetarian and then um, through your healing journey, um, then started to introduce more, um, meat proteins into your diet. I would love to know your, your journey with that. And, and did tapping into Ayurveda 
which is some people think that Ayurveda is actually vegetarian, but it's actually not. It includes, um, yeah, meat as well and using it as like that nourishment. So I'd love to know, yeah, how your journey with that and what your experience um, with that introducing it and you know, I think it is that mental and emotional aspect as well as, you know, the other, the other elements. Yeah, no, it's, I think if you're a sensitive being, which I'm sure so many of your listeners are, they've probably gone through that dilemma of, you know, not wanting to hurt animals. And, you know, certainly I was that I became a vegetarian at a young age because my baby lamb in Iran was like in the garden. And then next thing it was in the pot, you know, its head. (laughs) So it was like a rude awakening. And I decided I was going to be vegetarian at like, you know, I was like six or seven and my parents did not agree, but I kind of made the correlation at such a young age. And I was just like, and I almost feel like anyone who goes through a spiritual um, process or journey kind of has to go through their vegetarian phase. You know, I, I do think there's something about clearing the body of the animal, you know, when you're in some sort of apasana or just, you know, at a retreat, I, I, I do think that's a good idea. Um, however, I went 25 years without animal products and that really was bad on my health with autoimmune issues. And uh, just to give you an example, I had two, you know, my, after my second daughter, all the enamel went off my teeth because basically your body will take from, from everything from the mother, from the bones, you know, from everything to Mm. keep the baby going. Um, So I I was so depleted and that was such a wake up call because I was also so stubborn. I wanted to be a vegetarian no matter what. Um, but finally I was like, you know what, this quality of life is not okay. And I want to enjoy my life because what happens, I think there's a specific B vitamin that, um, you can go pretty much like seven years without, but, but after seven years, it really starts hurting your health. And that's why, you know, I started to introduce animal protein, but medicinally, I still believe it or not, I'm not a big, like, you know, carnivore, it's still hard for me, but I do eat it medicinally and I do bone broth. Mm. Um, and of course I do, I do eggs once in a while. And, and I do, and being out here in Texas, I, you know, it changes everything because we're so close to the earth and nature and, you know, all the regenerative farms and you see how you use the whole animal and how it's good for you and the environment and the way it's done humanely. And, and it's helping, you know, the planet, um, regenerative farming is so incredible for the planet. So that's also helped me to come to terms with it. Mm, Yes. I love that lens. And, um, also this, the, the raw milk, which it's, um, uh, illegal here in, uh, Australia. <gasps> really? Oh yeah. But it is, um, legal in <laughs> Texas, isn't it? It just, it became legal. Like the year I moved in here, like three or four years ago, it became legal. Yeah. Yeah. Which is really um, interesting. I, um, we in Ayurveda, this the the milk is seen, you know, revered as you know the the great nourisher, and so yeah, it's just it's just fascinating when we start introducing more of these nourishing aspects into our, our diet and how that can really start improving our health. 
Yes. Yes. And that's the thing. It's like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't drink milk uh, unless it was raw, you know, because then you start going, you start realizing what is a regular dairy or even meats, Mm. you know, if it's not a clean one, then it's actually, there's more of a detriment to you, Mm. you know, especially dairy. I mean, regular dairy, when you realize that they pasteurize it, homogenize it, and then sell it to you, you're basically drinking dead bacteria. Mm. You know, that's so, so if I can't have like raw pure milk, then I, I won't drink it, you know, mm. that's, that's, it's true. But the raw milk is so, the true thing is so good for you. The, the enzymes and the, and, you know, all those um, elements that, that are so good for your gut and your, the, the probi- natural probiotics and um, yeah, it's very, it's very powerful. I like the way you said that in Ayurveda. It's a great nourisher. Yeah. And this is why the cow is so revered because it is the mother giving that, um, yeah, ultimate nourishment and sustenance. So yeah, I think, uh, Texas sounds like it is more progressive in that, um, regard. I also, (laughs) also wanted to know about since you've moved to Texas, how has that felt with the land there and that lifestyle and, yeah, does that feel like home now for you? Yeah, it's interesting. There's definitely things that I miss from California. I miss, you know, the the, the abundant organic produce um, because of the weather and because they've been doing it for so long and um, and community, you know, I miss that. Um, but then I look I out here, I look at the stars and they're so bright because we're not in a city, we're rural. And I just can't imagine ever living someplace where I'm not able to see the stars like so bright and so clear and so beautifully. Um, And the quiet, you know, your nervous system, my nervous system is definitely, because I go, I go to California often to visit people and my daughter, my older daughter and for work. And I can definitely tell the difference, you know, the, the, your nervous system is just from here to here, (laughs) you know, it takes long to take lots of magnesium and lots of like chamomile tea to like bring my nervous system back to a calmer place, you know? Yeah. Yes. And, um, I, have you started growing things in, in Texas? Like is the, yeah, so you're starting to have that. Oh, we have been, but it's just harder because there's mm. see, there's also seasons here, which I didn't we didn't really have in California. So that's also part of it. And then the summers are brutal. You know, they're just so hot. So, and the winters are cold. <laughs> it's so crazy. Um, I also love New Mexico. I I I've been visiting there a lot too, and I have a deep love for that land too so we'll see and my dream is to have like a venetian woman's retreat center somewhere either by the ocean or maybe new mexico and then you can come visit and stay with me i love that i love that and because that's what i i love um following you on instagram because i see you hosting these incredible tea ceremonies and you have this beautiful connection with this these women in your community and how you can cultivate that. Um, and I would love to know how has this tea ceremony as a ritual come into your life? Is where where did that inspiration come from? Was that from your um 
from your um, grandmother as well? Or how, how did that? No, come? no, no. That came from my sister, Balin, Balin Elspeth. Um, she, Tian Wu is her, is her other name, but she, uh, we were friends in Venice, California. And about 10 years ago, she invited me to her house for a tea ceremony. And it was a three hour silent tea ceremony. And I hated it. I was like, I'm never doing this again. I was like, this is torture. This is, I mean, no talking for three hours, drinking tea. No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and then of course how fate would have it the next one was at my house for our sister mystic mama I don't know if you know mystic mama she's beautiful artwork but it was for her baby blessing and I was like oh god we have to do it again so you know we sat down and we sat down for tea and that time I was uncomfortable and then I just started crying and then I understood I understood that it's the monkey mind and it's, and this is a meditation and yes, I'm supposed to have the thoughts and I'm supposed to release them. And then I'm supposed to receive, like, when do we ever sit and just receive, mm. especially as women, mm. when do we ever sit and get served mm. in silence, by the way, which is a whole nother level. And then I was like, Oh my God, I need to do, I need to learn this. This is like, this is so beautiful to be able to serve other people with my spirit and my soul through tea. Tea is such a beautiful, especially these teas because they're pure and nothing's been done to them, but just to drink these teas, which are like adaptogens, really, they give you whatever you need. Um, and to sit in silence and drink these beautiful teas. And then, and then we go into the whole idea that it's again the Chinese you know the elements we're using all the elements we're using fire water earth air you know we're doing all we're we're, we're having to be very present it's hard for me to be present I'm an Aquarius I'm or in, in western I'm an Aquarius so I'm always like oh but when I sit down to do tea I have to be present because the water has to be a certain way the tea has to be a certain way I have to feel your energy and what you're feeling when I fill your cup up so it's just such a beautiful way to connect with with people and women and hopefully you'll experience it one day. <laughs> oh, I love the sound of that. Just just as you're describing it, it sounds so nourishing. It's always intrigued me. I've just never been in that environment. So yeah, I am I am there when whenever you create. <laughs> I'm sure there's people too around you. There might be communities, you know, it seems. Yes, I'll, I'll call it in now that we've spoken about. Yeah. <laughs> Shiva, I would love to know, what are you looking forward to this year? What are you really wanting to lean into? And have you set or thought about setting an intention for this year? Where, what are you wanting to embody? And what is on your heart to, to bring forward? You mentioned you have this new course that you've created. I'd love you to speak to, yeah, what is on your heart right now and and what is inspiring you? Mm. Um, <clears throat> well, usually I use solstice. Winter solstice is my new year. Mm. Uh, and we just had that portal. And um, yes, it's definitely... Uh, well, I decided last year that this year was going to be about devotion because my daughter is, you know, this is her last year and I was going to be devoted to her and our land and these things. And now I'm looking forward and seeing that I want to um, 
yes, continue that devotion, but also um, make this course uh, really exciting and beautiful for people. This offering, uh, the waterways of the feminine, which is about how we cultivate this feminine energy and continue to feel juicy and sexy. And, you know, even when society is telling us we shouldn't, <laughs> you know, I really want to like bring that forth, birth that that'll be the new thing to birth. Um, I do want this yin Venetian, abode somewhere uh, for the feminine because I love our place in Texas but it's very yang here the energy it's very like I mean you need cowboy boots you know there's snakes and scorpions in the summer I mean it's like serious I think some Aussies would actually appreciate it because it's like not you know it's like being out in the outback somewhere <laughs> um so I'm yearning for like a yin place somewhere in the um so those are the things I'm very excited about and and, you know, more community, more gatherings. And um, when you tell me, what sign are you? I should have asked you that in the beginning. I am a Sagittarius sun in both systems. And I am a double Virgo. So Virgo rising and Virgo moon. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Amazing. My daughter and my partner are both double Virgos. Oh, so you know exactly. Oh, <laughs> <boy>. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I'm sure you feel sorry for me a little bit yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, that, that Virgo energy is, um, yes, it's uh, very, um, I guess, how would I describe it? It's very, um, not, not the perfectionism, but it, there is um, this seeking energy as well, like always seeking and striving and wanting to learn more and improve. And yeah, <laughs> I don't know if you can resonate yeah. with that, but there's this continual quest, the the student and yeah, wanting to learn more and more. Right, right. Which I really respect. I love that part of you. You all. <laughs> and, what, and what was your rising shiva in the in the? Gemini, uh, I believe, in in Western. Yes. Okay. And it's interesting when I was looking into your work, I did pick up on this Gemini energy because I know in your past you have been um, an actress. And that mm -hmm. is that very Gemini, that air influence there, that more of that Vata creative. And so, yeah, and also that polarity and the duality of the masculine and the feminine, which, you know, even coming back to your name, Shiva, Shiva is very like a masculine and then um, the rose, very feminine. So I think, you know, you embody both of those aspects <laughs> so beautifully and yeah. how you really between those two. Thank you. I'm glad you you see that. Thank you. And it's true. I I I love the feminine, and I my work's all about the feminine. However, there is a mask. I do have a masculine part of me too. Of course, we all do. We have both. But I have a, a healthy part of me. I think that's able to speak up, you know, and and protect and and go after what I want. You know, sort of all those things that we attribute to the masculine. Yeah, bit. and I I definitely feel that in your presence on online, it's um you really come across as, yeah, the the protector and um as you know really uh, sharing this this knowledge and I think 
you know, in this modern day as well, that sharing our truth can, you know, that's the, that's the greatest <laughs> at the moment. Um, and so you really standing in that and, um, yeah, sharing that authentically and, and what is true for you is, um, something so, so powerful that I, I really admire and respect you for, um, and, mm. and see you as, yeah, that, that light, um, and like I said, during, especially during the last couple of years, I kind of looked at your page and, and saw oh. you know, where you were at and, um, yeah, really gave me a lot of, um, strength and, and courage as well. Thank you. Thank you. That means so much to me. <laughs> um, Shiva, before you end, I would love to know, is there anything else that you would love to share with us um, when it comes to beauty or the feminine or some piece of advice that you would love to give our listeners that are wanting to embody more of the, the feminine or have more of that reverence in mm -hmm. approaching beauty? Um, well, first of all, I'm sorry, the sun is setting right now. So it's getting darker as we're speaking. <laughs> but that is exactly what I was going to say. If you want to start somewhere and you don't know where to start, start by gazing at the sun in the mornings. And then as it's setting in the evening, start by connecting with the moon, the rhythms of the moon and where it's fluctuating. Um, start by walking on the earth barefoot to get those negative ions and the, those minerals through your feet, you know, start to tell yourself how beautiful you are because you are beautiful and beauty is definitely, it's like that, the Navajo prayer where you walk in beauty, you know, beauty is definitely something that we um, can perceive and feel first. We have to feel it within ourselves, right? I think before somebody else can see it, or before it's before we can shine it upon the world, we have to first find it within ourselves. And um, I would say start there. I would say those are like those have been my greatest teachers. I always say the moon's been my mother and the sun's been my father. You know, and the earth has been my sibling, and that's been so healing for me. Oh, I love that so much, Shiva. And you mentioned finding the beauty within. And I love how you phrase that. I would love to know how how have you found that beauty within? How have you really um, focused on that? Because it it so radiates in your work. Is there a moment or something where you you found that beauty? I'm so curious. Mm -hmm. Well, I think again, it's it's connecting to the womb energy. I really do. I think it's connecting to the yoni. I think it's connecting to that to that wellspring within us because we do. We have these wellsprings of of water, and they need to be nourished. These rivers that are running through us need to be, especially women. We need to be had. So I think it would be like that connection to your womb space and your you know your those chakras, and and then you can like actually do some kundalini and focus on that energy and then imagine it coming up through your body up to your head. And it really, I think it really does affect the way we feel and the way we're seen. You know, it's almost like they say in Kundalini, your aura walks in a room before you do, you know, your aura is like, <laughs> it's so grand and it's like this thing that surrounds us. So whatever we can do to protect that aura, mm. you know, that helps. 
Yes, I love that. And it's like that, that you've tapped into that, that frequency of beauty. And um, yeah, I love how you've brought that back to the the energetic field that you've really connected Mm -hmm. to. Thank you so much, Shiva. I, before we recorded this, we were actually having a Mercury retrograde moment. (laughs) My internet completely went out, which as a podcaster, it's probably your worst nightmare, but you have been absolutely so gracious. And, um, you know, using the, like you mentioned, using the Mercury retrograde energy to our advantage rather than (laughs) letting it take over (laughs) thank you so much for um lovely lovely walking this path with you thank you thank you and I'm so sure we'll meet in real life whether you come to Perth or I visit you um yeah I feel such a connection towards you so thank you again Shiva thank you aloha thanks for tuning into star being may the wisdom shared resonate in your soul Until next time, stay connected and keep reaching for the stars. This is Star Being signing off.